Good morning, everybody. Hey, listen, I am so excited for this morning. And, um, as, like, I'm gonna be, can I be honest with you guys? This week for me has, if I, for lack of better terms, has absolutely sucked for me. Okay? And um, I've been like super emotional this week. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's been weird. Um, like, it's been, like, I broke down and cried at the gym yesterday, like in front of people. That's weird, you know? Like, I'm sure everybody thought I was crazy, you know? And then, you know, it's just been a, it's just been a crazy week, right? And, and I kind of, let me say this, I kind of lost hope this week. Anybody else ever have a chance, time in your life where you kind of lose hope? That's kind of where I was this week for, for a short period, but I got to thinking, man, like, I started thinking about times when I've lost a little bit of hope in the past. You with me? But, you know, last week, last week we started this series that said, that we, that we called, well, really Jesus called, follow me. Not like follow me, because I'm going to lead you somewhere weird, but, but Jesus said, follow me. Follow me into bringing this kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven type of movement. We said it wasn't just another movement. That's what we said, this, call to, this come to follow me into this kingdom was, was just this idea that, it, that changes the way we live and approach life. How we approach others, how we interact with others, how we interact with our Father in heaven. Like it changes when we accept the call to follow him, it changes our perspective on everything. Or it should at least change our perspective on everything. And last week we said that, that this kingdom that we've been asked to follow into was a kingdom of grace. is a kingdom of grace. And that since we have received grace, we should extend grace to those around us because sometimes it's hard for us to extend grace to others, right? Especially those who have treated us bad, who, who has done bad to us. But who can, we cannot say that we're followers of him if we don't extend the same grace that's been extended to us. Because I think in this series, honestly, because since he's trying to totally wreck our way of thinking that he's trying to unlearn in some of us what this, this, world, this world view that we have. And he wants us to live differently. We are called to live differently than the rest of the world. To be in the world, but not of the world. Not to be in this kingdom, to be in this kingdom which means to be relatable. Hello, anybody know those like super Christians? Like they've been super saved? You can't have a conversation with them without them, you know, like... It's a good day. Yeah, good in the Lord. Like anytime you have a conversation with them, you know, that that person. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, calm down. Just a minute. Because my day hasn't been, I don't know if my day's been that good, you know. Are you thirsty? Thirsty for the Lord. Okay, I'm just wanting to know if you want a jug of water, you know. But we are called to live differently. Man, this is a tough room today. That that was like super funny, y'all. And but we're called to live differently, right? To be in the world, be in the kingdom, be relevant to the kingdom, but not of it. And as I got to thinking about this and the idea of, of hope this morning, I kind of made me think of a story. And it's a story that's, uh, that's kind of funny, okay? So every Memorial Weekend, the Friday of Memorial Weekend, me and Anthony, Anthony's the guy who plays this mean telly up here, um, he's right back there wearing a Nike shirt, green hat. Everybody should look at him and smile and make him feel really awkward. Me and him and one of our other buddies, we go fishing on that Friday all night long, like 7 o'clock at night to 7 in the morning. You're like, Derek, how can y'all do it? It's just about being together on the, on the lake. 
you know, good, good, my, be- my best friends are so much older than me, y'all, like, it's not even funny, like, I'm, I'm like, here in about 10 years, I'm going to have to find me some new friends, because they're going to be gone, okay, um, it's going to be, it's going to be bad, okay, they're so much older than me, but every year we go on this lake, well, we have this other friend um, who comes occasionally, whose name is um, Stinky, okay, yes, and, um, well, all of us can't fit on Anthony's boat, so we, this year we decided to rent a pontoon boat um, up there on Cherokee Lake, all right? And it was one of those, like, you know, they normally don't let people rent them overnight, but they were letting us, they're going to have somebody on call. <laughs> all right? So we get out there, and you know, like I said, it's not really, like, catching the fish is a plus. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, we're just glad to be out there together. It's something we do every year. We've done it for how long? Like, 15 12, 13, 15, 600, whatever, okay, about 12 years, right? It's just something we love doing every year, and um, we make it a point that no matter what's going on in the world, coronavirus or not, we're going. Um, and so, so we're out there, and it gets to be about 11 o'clock, and we're like, you know what, we're not catching any fish here, and let's just let's go find somewhere else. Well, Anthony goes over and cranks the boat. Doesn't start. And meanwhile, I've got to tell you all something. At 8 o'clock this next morning, I have to go speak at a commencement, graduation com- commencement. Okay? We're out there in the middle of Cherokee Lake. 11 o'clock, he cranks it, doesn't start. We try to start this thing for an hour. It wouldn't even turn over. We were like, shoot. So I start calling TWRA. Um, can somebody come get us? No, it's Memorial Weekend. We're kind of stretched thin. Um, so 3 o'clock rolls around. We're still sitting out there. And we're like, what in the, like, what are we going to do? So I called the one person I knew that would answer the phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning, this guy named Chad Gust. Ooh, you know Chad Gust. He answers the phone, and I said, hey, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Anthony, and the boys, we've been stranded out here on the lake. And meanwhile, it's starting to pour down rain, y'all. I mean, I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like, you know, just a little sprinkle, sprinkle, you know, like the mountain, you know, the mountain dew, kind of whatever. I mean, it's like pouring down. Me and Anthony's trying to do things. Stinky and Brady are in the back of the boat goofing off, doing, like, won't help us. We're getting mad. You're not ever coming on the trip again, guys. It's like, it's getting ridiculous, right? So, five o'clock rolls around, because Chad said, yeah, we'll come find you. My phone's about dead, because I've been on the phone at, with, like, 911, TWR. I'm trying to figure out some. <laughs> you can ask, you know, I, I, would, I was calling people, like, I can't be five minutes. Can somebody come get us? It gets to be about, it's probably about, what, five thirty, six o'clock? And we're in this little cove, and this cove was like a bigger cove, but there was like an island kind of out here, and you, it was kind of like two coves, like it was kind of weird. And I'm, we're sitting there, and we told them what we thought we were in this one cove, and they went and looked in that one cove, and we weren't in that cove, you know. Well, next thing I know, I'm sitting there. I'm about to, get, I'm about to have to call and say, I'm not going to be able to make it to this commencement, um, graduation speak. And all of a sudden, around the backside of the island, I see a flashlight. And for the first time that night, I felt a little hope because in the we, we were in this kingdom of grace and i thought maybe like in that moment where i felt where i felt hope we're in this kingdom of hope right? i felt hope for the first time that night that we were going to be rescued and i and i really believe and this is the title for today is that i believe that we are called since we are since we have hope we are called to be flashlights and search parties flashlights and search parties you see i wonder sometimes in, in moments of despair and discouragement or loss of hope, if, if honestly sometimes, because in, in that moment I was losing hope, am I going to have to be out in Cherokee Lake for the rest of my life? 
dealing with Anthony. But I wonder in times of our life where we feel like, like we have no hope, if God is really, if God is bringing us closer to what he wanted for us all along. Like, you know those moments that you just seem like you're never going to get out of? Are those moments that God's trying to bring us closer to him? You know, like, you know those moments when you feel there is no relief from the pain or it seems like hope is flourishing and other, like, it's flourishing in other people's circumstances, but you wonder if, if Christ has forgotten about you. You may ever feel like, God, like Christ forgot about you. Like, you see God, like, here, I'm going to raise my hand so you don't feel so guilty. Like, did you forget about me? I see you working over here in Junior's life, but what are you doing in mine? Like, I need this right now, and you're giving him whatever. He doesn't need that right now. I need this right now. I wonder if some of us are giving up on hope too soon. Are we giving up on hope too soon? Much like the story we're going to look at today. Because the story that we're going to look at today is that exact thing. Where it seems like Jesus got distracted from the mission. Because we all have those moments, right? You've been praying to God for a long time and you've asked him for something. And it seemed like things were starting to roll and it, it dropped. This is one of those stories. So our friend Mark um, tells us this story. If you go to chapter 5 of this letter that he wrote to us, it says, in verse 21 it says this, After Jesus returned from across the lake, and here's a cool story right before this, Jesus is on the other side of the lake, and he's, um, he just healed a man possessed with like a legion of demons, and that's when the pigs went flying off the cliff, and this is a cool story, right? And what's cool about that story is that, see, the pigs were the way that village made money, so the reason they didn't like Jesus being there was because he ruined their income, economy. You with me? Because nobody wants their money messed with. So Jesus is back on the other side of the lake, right, from doing that. And it says, after Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline because people wanted to be around Jesus. And, th- and, and, and just then a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd, threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jarison, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying, over and over, please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she only, she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her. Heal her, and she will live. You see, this man knew, because wherever Jesus went, right? Jesus was, Jesus, there was like this hope that came with Jesus, like when people saw Jesus, they maybe, especially in the system that they lived in at the time, they, they had hope for the first time. So he's like, man, if I can just get to that hope, if I can just get to, to Jesus, that picture of hope, much like us, he knew like if Jesus would get in the room, healing happens when hope enters the room. Healing happens. Like I know if I could just get Jesus in the room, if I can just get hope in the room, like a miracle is going to happen. This man was like, man, if I can just get Jesus in the room with my daughter, my daughter will be healed. And some of us are so desperate for Jesus to get into the room. Maybe you're here today because you wanted to be in the room where Jesus was. It's where two or three are gathered, right? Jesus is in their midst. The Spirit's in their midst. You're like, man, if I could just get here, maybe I can be healed this morning. See, we're all searching for that hope. If we just get in the room. And it goes on, it goes on to say this, and immediately... Jesus went with him. The next verse says, immediately Jesus went with him. That means Jesus cared about what this man was saying. 
Immediately, Jesus went with them, and a huge crowd followed, pressing on him from all sides. Jesus is in the middle of a mosh pit. All right? now, now, in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered, a hor- suffered horrible, horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She would have been an outcast to society. She had, in, in, she had endured a great deal under care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had... On their, on their treatment, she was not getting better, but, but worse. Have you ever done that? Like you've tried to fix things yourself, and it just seems like, it screwed, like you screwed it up worse than what it originally was? Every day. Okay? When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus healing, because when you hear about Jesus, you want to, never mind, that's a whole other sermon. She pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. Touched the, some, some translations say, touched the hem of his garment. She knew that if I could just get to hope, if I could just touch hope. But she kept saying to herself, if I could just touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. And as soon as her, her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped because that's who Jesus is. Don't trade on me. For she could feel her body. So, so you, yeah, you're going to have to go back. As soon, as soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. Stopped. She knew for, for she, could, she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease because when, when hope enters the room, everything else disappears. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him for he felt the power that always surged around him had uh, surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd saying, who touched me? And here's the thing, I, this, isn't, this part is not really part of my sermon today, but it's just the fact that, that right now you can touch Jesus. And he's okay with you touching him, reaching out, seeking him. In fact, he wants to be touched. He wants, he wants you to seek him. But this is what his disciple said right here, verse 31. His disciple answered, what do you mean who touched you? We're crowded around with people, y'all. Look at the huge crowd that are pressing up against you. Like, of course people are touching you. But Jesus' eye swept across the crowd as he's looking for the one that had faith, that was looking for hope. Because other people were looking for, looking for healing. She was looking for hope. But Jesus' eye swept across the crowd looking for the one who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced the miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him trembling with trembling with fear and threw herself down at the feet saying I'm the one who touched now just imagine for a second before before we go on just imagine for a second being this woman who had been an outcast to society wouldn't have been allowed to wasn't even supposed to be there in that moment because of her bleeding issue like she was considered unclean undirty she couldn't worship with anybody she couldn't go to the store for for anything she couldn't do anything like she was like imagine the people sitting around yeah get her Jesus she ain't even supposed to be here because she's ceremonially unclean. Like we're, like we're defiled for our just being in the same area as her. Yeah, you get her, Jesus. And, she told, and she, she told him her story, not that he didn't already know it, right? Of what, what had just happened. And then Jesus said to her, and this, I love this phrase, daughter, for the first time she was accepted. Daughter claimed ownership over somebody. Right? It's a beautiful story. And this ain't even part of the sermon today. It's a beautiful story. Daughter, because you, you dared to believe your faith has healed you, go with peace in your heart and be free 
when we're suffering. And this, this, this is very, I want you to listen to this next part of the, this next verse. You ready? And before he had finished speaking, people arrived from Darius' house, Darius' house, and pushed through the crowd to give Jarus the news, there's no need to trouble the master any longer. Can you imagine being him there for a second? And hearing these words, don't, need, don't worry about bringing him into the room. She's already dead. Your daughter's no longer living. Your daughter is dead. Imagine the father's heart at this moment. And for many of us, we can, right? Some of us, we were hoping or are now hoping to see Christ work and everyone work, but it seems like he's working in everyone else's situation. But, but now what little hope we had, this little miracle that we had, this little miracle that we're wishing for, we're wishing for God to move, it's gone. It seems like there's no hope. Like what's in me, the dream, the dreams that I have, the vision that I have, whatever's going like, it's dead. There's no hope anymore. Hope is dead. This little girl was his hope, y'all. If I could just get Jesus in the room, I know I could wake, hope would wake up. You see, he got this news that the, thing that the very thing that he was wanting God or Jesus to do, the symbol of hope to do, can no longer happen. You find yourself in a space much like the Father, right? Where it just feels like, Jesus, if you wouldn't have worried about this man, this woman with a blood issue, my daughter would be healed right now. Like if it was me, I'd, I'd be, I would be so frustrated. Why did we stop and talk? If, we, if you just taken this 10 minutes here and went on to my daughter and then came back and talked to this woman, my daughter would still be living. Like why did we stop here? You had one of those moments... <laughs> See, I think sometimes we forget or we don't think about this is that oftentimes in situations like this, this is a setup for him to do the greatest work in your life. He was was wanting his daughter not to die and Jesus was wanting her life to be resurrected. Because for there to be a resurrection, guess what? There has to be something die in us. For there to be resurrection. Something has to die in us. Because the death is the setup for him to do the greatest work in your life. But imagine the father in that moment. He doesn't know that. All he knows is his daughter is dead. Listen to, listen to this interaction. I love this interaction. But Jesus refused to listen. <laughs> Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't listen to what everybody else has to say? What everyone else has to say about you, like he doesn't like, I know who my child is. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. I can imagine Jesus singing that song right there, can you? All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home, but Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with him except for Peter and the two brothers, Jacob and John. And just want to pause right here just for a second. Pause right here for a second. And let you know two things. What this tells us, what this passage tells us. And it's number one, and it's going to take a minute, so I'm going to give you a second to write it down. Don't quit in the middle of the story. 
because you're discouraged in the middle of a scene. Just when hope seems like it's lost, don't quit. Keep moving. Keep believing. Because you believing is the mo- you, your belief is one of the most powerful things you have. Your faith in the God that you serve is, is one of the most powerful tools that you have. Don't quit in the middle of a story because you're discouraged in the middle of a scene. Number two is this. Set your intentions in the direction of your destiny. Set your, set your intentions in the direction of your destiny and not the distraction of the moment. So this father had two options. To walk away from Jesus because of hope seeming lost or to keep walking home. Keep taking him home with him. Keep trying to get him in the room. Mark 5 goes on to say this. When they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, Why why all this grief and weeping? Why are y'all crying for? Like Jesus, honestly. Um, she's dead. That's why we're crying. That's why we're weeping. Like, really? And listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Don't you know the girl is, is, is not dead, but merely asleep? Oh, here's what you need to know about this. Because others are going to say a whole lot of things, but here's what you need to know. What others call done, Christ calls waiting to be awoken. What others call done, Christ calls waiting to be awoken. Awoken is the past participle of awake. Anybody's wondering. I wanted to make sure I was right on that one. Where others call done, Christ calls waiting to be awoken. That means what everyone else is saying about your dream, your vision, what you, the plans you have, they're saying, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Christ's saying, don't listen to them. In fact, you're, he's about to kick them out the house. Sometimes we have to get rid of those things, right? What others call done, Christ calls waiting to be awoken. Your hope is just waiting for Jesus to get in the room, for hope to enter the room. Verse 40. Then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him. Talking about Jesus. I would have been scared to death. If I knew then what I know now about Jesus, I'd be like, hey, I'm out of this one. But he threw them all outside. And I wonder if that's like physically, because that would have been really cool for Jesus to grab a hold of their belt and their collar just... I doubt he did that, but he threw them all outside. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples went into the room where the girl was laying. Verse 41, listen to this, I love this, I love this, I love this. He tenderly clasped the child's hand in his and said to her in Aramaic, Telethia Kehum, which means, little girl, hope, wake up from the sleep of death. Hope. Wake up. Maybe you just need Jesus to get in, your, get in the room with you and just tell you, wake up, wake up. Hope, wake up. And this is what happens. Instantly, the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood to her feet, and started walking around the room. And those same people that ridiculed him, that laughed at him and mocked him, that mocked at you, listen to what everyone, it says, everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. Because when hope wakes up, people notice. 
when hope wakes up, people notice. See, when Jesus comes into the room, he causes hope to wake up. He causes hope. Like, there's something about when you get in the presence of Jesus, right? Like, maybe for the first time, like, maybe for the first time, you're like, man, maybe I can just keep on living. Because that's, that's the thing, right? It's hard to live without some sort of hope, right? That's why we say oftentimes, you know, like, if you, if, if you hear, ever see me at a funeral, I say, you know what, this is the worst life is ever going to get for you. Because we have a hope that a better day is coming. Like this, but, but here's the thing, if you're not a believer, guess what? This life that we're living now, the things that we suffer is the best life you'll ever have. But we as believers, we have this hope that's awoken in us. We live in hope. We have, we have, we have a, a worldview in the future that is bright. Like, listen, have you ever met those Christians who always seem depressed all the time? You know, there's the two extremes, right? They're always depressed, but there's those ones that are depressed all the time. And are going, why are you so depressed, y'all? Do you not have any, like, have you really experienced hope? Have you experienced hope even like this week, my week that kind of sucked? I knew Sunday was coming. I know you're like, Derek, but it's not about Sundays. You're right, you're not, it's not about Sundays. But there's something about getting in the room with people that brings hope, that brings the presence of God. That, you know, maybe it was hard for you to feel that way. There's something about us getting together that that's, leaves us hopeful. And that's because inside of all of us uh, as believers, there's been this, this awakening to what we have in the future. Yeah, it's not necessarily about the mansions. It's not about this, but it's about that we have Jesus, the greatest picture of hope, who entered the world. Like the cross tells us that. For something so bad, the cross, we have hope that we can make it to, our, to, to the Father in the future. We have this hope. He causes hope to wake up. And many of us just need to invite Jesus. We need to invite hope to enter the room and enter the situations because we've been trying to take care of it for far too long ourselves. We try to handle situations ourselves and it's led us to be more depressed, wondering where God was and you've never turned it over to the hope giver anyway. What if we just not only receive grace from him, but we receive hope from him? That we live in so we live in such a way that we that we hope like we have this hope for the future, like this dad who just kept on believing. No matter no matter what this world throws at me, I have hope because I know what's awaiting on me on the other side of the Jordan. That one day when I when my day comes and I stand before God, I get to enter into His kingdom. I have that hope. It's something that brings us to life. It actually gives us life. And the reason it gives us life is that we are called to be a beacon of hope. Now that we have received hope, we are called to be a beacon of hope in the world around us. So I want to read this verse. I want to read this verse real quick. In Matthew chapter 5, 14, it says, Your lives light up. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light. See, this light is hope. See, your lives light up the world. 
And others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and hide it in obscure places? Instead, we place it for everyone in the house can benefit from the light. So, so don't hide your light. Let it shine bright before others. Flashlights and search parties, y'all. Let it shine bright before others so that they, the commendable things you do, this hope that you bring into the world that will, will shine as light upon them and, they, and, and then they will give their praise to the Father in heaven. You and I are searchlights and search parties going into the world, shining our light. You and I are a city of hope and flashlights. So the question is, when, when you walk into the room, and you can go ahead and bring that stuff back up if y'all want to. When, you, when, when y'all enter the room, what do you enter the room with? Do you bring the room down or are you like Jesus did and bring and awaken hope in that room? Because if we're going to come to follow, if we're called to follow me and we're going to take that call, listen, we can't go into a place all depressed, all that stuff. No, we walk in there no matter how bad our day's been and we go, look at what God is doing in me. This little moment of what he's got set up for me. Well, it may seem like my, my dream has failed, but here, listen, the, if you were there on the cross, at the cross that day, if you were there at the cross that day, you would have said hope failed. Wouldn't you? Let's just be honest. If you're staying at the foot of the cross on that, what we call Good Friday, you would have said, man, God felt this one. I guess we can't have any hope. Hope is dead. But then hope entered the room a couple days later, didn't it? What are you walking into a room with? Where have you lost hope in that that you haven't turned over to, to Jesus yet? You haven't invited him into because if we're going to follow him, we got to live in hope, but also give hope when we walk into the room. You know, with me? Because the cross tells us to. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for giving us hope. God, I thank you that, that you are a God who says, who says, you know what? I know life's going to be hard. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Take up hope. I have overcome the world. So God, I thank you, I thank you for sending Jesus that hope. That hope in us. And I pray that as we enter rooms, as we, as we answer the call to follow him, that we live a life of hope for the world around us to see. There's enough craziness, enough negative news all over the world right now. And God, I pray that we, instead of buying into that, we, we, share, we share hope.